Praise God. You know, God is taking the church as a whole across this world and taking it through a refining period. That's, you know, we've been talking about shaking, how God is shaking. He's shaking the earth. That's why we see all these things going on. But in shaking the earth, first he shakes the church. It takes the church through a refining time. You know, and it's just because going to take people who truly give everything to God to change things. It's going to take people to decide to resolve in their heart that no matter what I see going on around me, no matter what happens, I will follow after God. I will follow after Jesus. I will not turn to the right hand, to the left. That is what it will take. Okay? So, good morning. Appreciate you too. <laughs> it's the appropriate time, right, to, to say so. Um, I was thinking about, you know, we were singing that song, Rivers. Thank you, son. I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you. Um, we're singing that song, Rivers, and it's a bit of orthodox, you know, talking about rivers pouring out from Papa's throne. And, you know, when God t told the Israelites back, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he, uh, through, Jesus called God Abba. Abba means father, daddy. It's a, it's a term of endearment. It's a, it's a term of familiarity. And it's the same thing. You know, when we say Papa, we say daddy. It means the same thing. And so when you say Abba, father, you're just saying daddy God. And so, you know, I was thinking about that. There's a chapter in the end of Revelation. That's actually the last chapter of Revelation. Because I got the sense, you know, I mean, because it's not just us in here, there's people watching online, and, and you know, lots of, few of you I don't know, and I'd like the pleasure of knowing, but uh, you get in here at the end of Revelation where it's talking about the river of life, and uh, in the beginning in Revelation, it's at chapter 22, you don't have to turn here, I'll read it to you, but you can look it up if you like, Revelation 22, in that uh, first verse there, Revelation 22, it says, and he showed me a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And then you get down to the end there, you see uh, at uh, chapter 12, and Jesus says here, he says, and behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to, and to, to give to everyone according to his work. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates of the city. Then outside are dogs and sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. So there's your warning. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. That's Jesus. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So, you know, that's a picture of you accept Jesus. You have access to that. That's water of life. Jesus said, he who believes in me, out of his rivers will pour rivers of living water. That's the Holy Spirit. And so, really just kind of wanted to settle some things because it seemed like in my heart there's some people who 
our thinking. You know, you get, you get to the, the, the end there, you know, we're singing about the goodness of God and how he's always been there. He's always been faithful. You get over into you know, his goodness is running after me. Then you get over into rivers of living water pouring out from Papa's throne, from Abba's throne. And it's like, can that, is that really available to me? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. You say out loud, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. God's raised him from the dead. And you're saved. That's Romans 10, 9. If you haven't done that, I suggest you take a minute and do that now. Yeah, accept Jesus as your Lord. And the goodness of God will follow you all the days of your life. You have access. It's like, you know, some people say, well, I've accepted Christ and I'm not seeing these things in my life. Well, you know. Like I was talking to my daughter one time, we were talking about healing. She says, "Well, um, she says, well, we prayed, and I don't, I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm still seeing these cold symptoms." I said, "Okay, well, Jesus has made healing available to you, not just healing, but peace. You know, the chastisement of His peace was for our peace was upon Him. By His stripes we're healed. Okay, He shed His blood for our sins. All these things are available to us." And so I said, so it's available. I said, like, for instance, we've got milk in the fridge right now, right? She said, well, yeah. I said, are we drinking it right this second? She said, no. I said, but it's available. <laughs> Everything we receive from God has to be received by faith. And faith doesn't say, well, I don't see it. So, because faith says, I believe it regardless of not seeing it. Because Jesus said, whatever things you ask when you, when, you, when you pray, believe that you receive them and then you will have them. Believe before you see. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to believe because you'd just see it. You wouldn't need to believe it. Amen. Well, just felt like someone needed to hear that. So now we'll get into the message, okay? Is that okay? So let's turn, turn with me over to Mark chapter 12. Praise God. We've been um, taught by our society, some things that are wrong, especially concerning humility uh, and, and loving yourself. And uh, it may be hard to let go of some of those things. Keep in mind that it's like bedrock. It's like you, 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 you know, like when you're plowing a field and you hit a bedrock, and you gotta, it takes a lot of effort and time and manpower to pull that bedrock out of the ground. And once you've done that, you've got to replace that with good soil because you've got a big hole in the ground now. So keep that in mind. If you come across something here while we're reading this and it's hard to receive, ask yourself, is this biblical? Is it true? Because I may need to let go of some things I've been holding on to for a long time. Okay? And God's done the same thing with me in this as I studied this out. So, Mark chapter 12. Look at verse 28. Jesus has just gotten done with a theological debate, and the Pharisees tried to pull him into a discussion that uh, they were trying to get him to say something he could, that uh, would trap him, and it didn't work, and so they're upset. But at the tail end of this conversation, a scribe, uh, this question comes up. The scribe asks Jesus this question because uh, he saw that Jesus answered well. And so he's like, okay, well, I've got a question that I, wanna, I really want to know about, so let me ask him. He, he might know. Look down here at verse 28. It says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, that's Jesus and the Pharisees, perceiving that he, Jesus, had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments 
is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus gives them these two greatest commandments. You know, both of them are built on love. The God kind of love. Unconditional love. Not, not the way the world perceives love, but God's type of love. Okay? And they're both built on that. And the first one deals with love towards God. second one deals with love towards people. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And we have them up on the wall here. Love God, love others. You know, and then the spiritual growth, you keep, you keep doing those things and you get over to impacting your world and then remember your first love, which is, takes us back to love God because Jesus is our first love. And uh, so as a kid, you know, I always wondered why, why God is so focused on love. You know, there's a lot of other things about him that I liked. No, I wasn't against love, you know, but it's, you know, I had a lot of other things that, that I liked. You know, I'm like, well, he's a creator. He's a warrior. He's wise, you know, along with many other things. And so I'd find myself wondering about these commands to love. And so one of John's epistles tells us God is love. Well, you know, love is not God, but God is love. You want to put it that way. And so then to grow in our knowledge of God is to grow in our knowledge of love, unconditional love. You know, to become better acquainted with him is to become better acquainted with love. So if we're growing in our relationship with God, then love is something that we're always going to be learning more and more about, expressing more and more, hopefully, if we're a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. And so, uh, you know, again, unconditional love, which says, you know, God's like, because God loved us while we were yet his enemies, that's unconditional love. It's the, that's, that's a, I will treat you with love regardless of how you treat me, regardless of what you think of me, regardless of what you, uh, what you do, what you say behind my back, what, anything. That is unconditional love. I will love you. Now, that's not the same thing as being a doormat. You understand? That's not the same thing as letting people use you. Okay? But I can walk in love toward a person. I can still treat a person with love without being used Okay, And so um, I titled today's message, Self-Love Versus Self-Obsession. Self-love is probably an idea that most of us would cast in a negative light. See, and, and recently I saw that. That was like a, a flare-up on, on Facebook for a while among Christians. Oh, self-love. You can't love yourself and all this stuff. Because da-da-da-da-da. And I believe that we've been trained to think that way. You know, we see it in movies and TV shows where there's this self-absorbed character, you know, usually the villain, and, and the main character says things like, oh, that guy's just in love with himself, or she's so full of herself. Have you seen stuff like this? Okay. And what happens in effect then is that people are trained to think that it's wrong to have love for themselves because they don't want to be like that villain because they're cast in a negative light they're looked down upon. But see, in reality, the Bible teaches us to love ourselves, and yet at the same time not have an over-concern with ourselves or be preoccupied with ourselves or be obsessed with ourselves. 
and we'll see that in the word later on. But the, the error is, after seeing things like this at TVs and movies and magazines, social media, all this stuff, this generation has been taught, or I could say we have a generation that has been taught, or maybe a few generations that have been taught, that anyone who loves themselves is conceited. And so they cast self-love in a negative light, and they don't understand the difference between conceit and a biblical self-love. See, everything that Satan tries to do is in, he tries to get people out of balance in something that God has made. To, to, get, um, to, to get to where, and I heard a minister say one time, and I agree, it's like he, he, the devil just wants to, he doesn't necessarily want to get you in a 180 and turn completely around if he, if he knows he can't get you to just completely turn your back on God. But if he can get you just slightly off course, if he can get get you one or two degrees off course, see because you know, I mean, if you're if you're if you've got a compass and you got a map, and but you but you're off by just two degrees, you walk twenty miles and you think you're going the right direction, but you're not going to be where you want to be. You're going to just be slightly off. So he wants. So if he can't get you to completely turn your back on God, he wants to get you just out of step with God. Okay. So um, and and that's not something to be in fear of because I mean, you just Jesus said, "Abide in me." I mean, it's easy. Abide in me. Abide in my words. Live to please God. Live to please him. Try to look for ways to please him. And so um, what we're really talking about here, like I said, is the difference between self-love and self-obsession. The world teaches us that self-obsession is the same as self-love. That's what they want us to believe. They want us to believe that if you love yourself at all, that you're self-obsessed, you're conceited, you're arrogant, you're not worth listening to. But if we believe that to love ourselves is the same thing as being conceited, then we can't fulfill Jesus' commandment right here that we just read without being conceited, right? Because love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if loving myself is, is wrong, then I cannot fulfill Jesus' commandment without being wrong. Well, now God's just. He wouldn't give us a commandment that would be wrong or that would require us doing wrong in order to fulfill it. Is that right? That's right. God's just. Okay? So then, to love yourself is, I should say, is to love yourself always the same thing as being conceited or prideful or arrogant. It can't be. Not if the Bible is to be believed. Apparently, Jesus expects us to love ourselves in some capacity because he commanded us to love others the same exact way that we love ourselves. So there must be a right way or a godly way to love ourselves. So I want to show you something. Turn with me to Ephesians 5. Book of Ephesians, chapter 5. That's a little ways in the New Testament past 2 Corinthians. And you got to go. I think if you've got to go one more, I don't know. Ephesians chapter 5. So this has been pressing on my heart. We'll look down to verse 25 here. It says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify, set her apart for a specific purpose, special purpose, sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. 
that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. How many of you know, you know, whenever you open God's word with the intention of seeking him with all your heart, first he, he will wash you with the water of the word. Why it's so important to be in the word. So important. And we talked about that renewing of the mind last week. We talked about the soul, the mind, renewing of the mind. And it comes through the washing of the water of the word. Okay, so then Paul points out here, he points out that a man who demonstrates love for his wife demonstrates love for himself. Or you could say that he has made the love he had for himself evident by loving his wife. Or, you know, I look at it like this. Okay, the love was already there, but caring properly for his wife just brought it to the surface where it can be seen. And, you know, we've said this to you in the past. If you go, you look at 1 Corinthians 13 where the Bible talks about what love is, you will see that love is not an emotion. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice in how I choose to treat people. 